0: Come Stop and take a trip down on my block Come on. where you see hidden potential. Young minds sharper than Gensu and ain't afraid to speak their mind if they got, they got something so against you. No. we standing with you, we tackle issues like civic pride. Hate will cease to exist, let's put our differences aside. From my side to your side, from Dutch town to south side, from Rose to north side, from Benton Park to old north, no. the west end, the west side. We bless when we step out we stand down, rise up, stand together, wise. Wow.
1: Wow. This is Stitchcast Studio, produced by St. Louis Story Stitchers in St. Louis, Missouri.
0: Our Stitchcast sits down with Park Ranger Doug Harding to discuss the preservation of local history through public lands. In this special, the y of My City edition of Stitchcast Studio. They uh, say who that, but you already knew that. That be them Story Stitches, Story Stitches, Story Stitches, Story Stitches, Story Stitches.
2: The next event happens on New Year's Eve. Now, New Year's Eve, all the young men in town would dress up in disguises, and they would start at one end of town, and people didn't have locks on their doors, so they would just barge right into your living room, and they usually had a fiddler, maybe a guitar player, and they would strike up this song, and they would dance in your living room, and they wouldn't leave until you bribed them. This was called le Guigny. The bribe was food. Oh. Now, the song, Le Guigny, has a million verses. And they can stay there as long as they need to. But one of the songs is, bring down your oldest daughter so we can warm her feet. Which meant they, <laughs> they, yeah. which meant they wanted to dance with her. Oh, bring right. your that oldest daughter out so we like can dance <laughs> with her. You
3: know. Get out of my house.
2: So they would then go from house to house until they hit every house in the, in the, in the village. And then this food was set aside. There are 12 days in Christmas. You know that, right? Mm -hmm. Just like the song on the 12th day. -hmm. Christmas doesn't start till Christmas day,
3: Mm
2: -hmm. the 25th of December. Mm -hmm. The 6th of January is the 12th day. Mm -hmm. That's when the three wise men or the three kings arrive in Bethlehem and give their gifts. Mm -hmm. Okay, they call it the epiphany. That marks the end of the Christmas holiday season. And so what they would do is have a ball called the Twelfth Night Ball. That food that they collected on New Year's Eve was used to make a dinner, Mm. okay? Part of that would be made a cake. And inside that cake would be placed three beans. So at the ball, all the young men would get a piece of cake. The three young men who find the bean are crowned the king. Thus, we have the three kings. Mm -hmm. They then choose someone to be their queens. And this then would repeat each week throughout the season until Mardi Gras. Mm -hmm. Now you think of Mardi Gras as the whole season. Mardi Gras means Fat Tuesday. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Fat Tuesday is the last day of Carnival. So Carnival starts on the 7th of January and runs till Fat Tuesday because after Fat Tuesday is Ash Wednesday and that begins Lent. Mm. And you have to give all the good stuff up for Lent if right, you're a good right. Catholic, right, right? okay? So then Easter, that ends Lent, okay? So during this carnival season when they're having these dances, now each time they do that, they pick new kings of the ball, and they're responsible for hosting the next fall. So this goes on and on and on until the end of the carnival season when Lent starts, okay? This is the dating season for the young folks. Mm. This is where they can go out and meet, you know, other folks and and get to know them because what happens is right after Easter, that's when you start seeing the weddings. Gotcha. Ah. So the Easter comes in spring. It's the rebirth or the resurrection. This is when Plants are coming back from their winter hibernation. They're coming back to life. And this is when young couples start their new lives together. Mm -hmm. So it's it's that cycle. Okay? So during the carnival season, it's in dead of winter. You're not farming. You're not out hunting unless you have to because it's dang cold outside, right? You're stuck in town in your house and stuff like that. So this is when you have the time to socialize with your neighbors and stuff. And so that's what we recreated. Uh, We had Dennis Stromet. Um, who is uh, a music, uh, great musician, he learned the kind of French that they spoke here in what we call the Illinois country. And they call it a paw paw French. It's this own dialect. Now, if you go to Canada, they don't speak the fr- same French as they speak in, in Paris. If you go to New Orleans, they don't speak the fr- same French. They don't even speak the same French in New Orleans as they do in Canada. Mm-hmm. Well, we also had our own French. And there were people still speaking that old French around Bonterre and Potosi, where the old lead mines were, okay? And the reason why was because they were so secluded. Olive Boulevard used to be called the Great White Way Mm -hmm. because from basically 1st Street before the Arch Mm -hmm. all the way out to past 12th Street, all the buildings had white marble fronts. I think there's one building still standing today that still, on all of this still has this white building mm-hmm. I watched the Metropolitan Life building go up. You know, the tall one with the green pointy roof? Mm-hmm. Um, that took out buildings that were built in the 1860s, 1870s. Mm-hmm. I watched the, um, the new Bell Telephone, the third one, go mm-hmm. up. I watched the federal court building go up. The architecture, I, you know, when I worked here that summer, I got to wander around during my lunch hour, and I have fell in love with the architecture. Just the, all the little decorations and nuances and stuff. You know, we've got the first skyscraper ever built in the United States right here. It's called the Wainwright Building. It's mm. 10 stories tall.
3: I saw that in uh, huh? one of the exhibits. And
2: it was uh, the first building built using steel girders instead of being built by brick. Because when you build a brick building like this, the rule of thumb is for how many stories that brick building is going to be tall, that's how many rows of bricks you need to use for that first wall. Hmm. Each uh, story you go up, you take a row of bricks out. So on the front side, it's flat, but on the inside, you're getting this little stair step pattern. Yeah. So the base can support the weight of all those bricks. Right. Okay? So you've got this kind of angle coming down, holding all those bricks up. Well, that lip created by limiting the room of bricks is where your floor joists could cross, you know, sit on. So you don't see that on the inside, but your space is getting a little bit bigger as you pull up. Okay? Yeah. So the building's five, five six stories tall is about all they could do. But with the Wainwright building, they weren't doing that. The brick part is just brick pierced. What's holding it up is the steel framework. Like when they built the, uh, ballpark village Did you remember it going up it was all steel girders and then they filled in mm-hmm. okay that's what's supporting the building steel girders. The Wainwright building was the first one built in the United States ten stories tall in fact the fire departments didn't have ladders tall enough to rescue anybody if there was a fire on top of them.
3: so they probably shouldn't be able to make a building that big
2: <laughs> well look right. at them now like. look at the metropolitan life
3: mm-hmm.
2: it's like what 80 something stories
3: Wait, so can, can, fire, can firemen reach it? I Don't, don't think we that. have like fire codes and stuff like that before well, you make it a building?
2: Yeah, they do. So they have to put um, uh, fire hydrants, or fire pipes mm-hmm. that hoses can hook into in the building already there because they can't get the water up to the top of those buildings. And no, I don't think St. Louis has a ladder tall enough to reach to the top of the metropolitan I mean, why do you think we have to open the windows at the top of the arch to clean the outside? Ah, we don't have a ladder tall enough to reach the top of the arch. Yeah, you know, and I wouldn't want it to be the one out to climb right, as they yeah, did, right? Right, right. right. Yeah. yeah. So they're building codes that make allowances. You know, they have to have sprinkler systems now. Mm-hmm. So if there's a fire, the sprinklers already go off. So that helps put down the fire before it gets too big right, out of hand. too crazy. You know,
0: definitely. Hey, what's going on, everybody? You already know what time it is. Time for another Stitchcast Studio Arts interlude. That's right, we're about to pick the city up. This week, we have a Story Stitches original piece entitled, We Still Cope.
1: They soar like eagles. They sing like crows. And they hawk through our streets. As daylight sings, darkness sings his bitter song. Children playing in the streets, their older siblings out hotter than heat. Mama trying to tell him to cool down, but they won't listen until they hear mama scream. The sniffles from her nose, riots out of control, RIP-MB on clothes. Police can hardly gain control on TV like a show. But they only show when fools are being made and not the making of greatness. You see, his death is not in vain. New voices have rearranged a chain of events and for once we're slowly starting to see change. Badges next to cameras, cameras next to temple. Now you don't have to be a scholar to think twice before squeezing your chopper, or at least we'd hope to cope with the pain of still some still tope. You see, his death was not in vain, but some still cope. So they shoot at the sky because hell is too hot and fire is without reason. So those bullets still soar, they sing like crows, and they hawk through our streets. Night is today, as bitter is to sweet. As we sleep, pistols breach the integrity of our communities. Broken unity calls for broken relationships, which brings broken people. More trauma as time passes, more than one would ask, more than one wants to see, and more than we were taught to speak. So lonely nights he thinks about MB, how he wants to change this contradicting system. Not just the laws, but the people that come with them. But then he remembered that he's a felon with every right but the one to use his voice. So back to hiding behind his tote he goes with words choked out of his throat. Now his heart's too cold to provide tears for his eyes to cope. Back to prison, or at least they'd hope. So they still soar. They sing like crows and they hawk through our streets. As daylight peaks, darkness still sings songs that are bitterly sweet. Those who can see and have the courage to speak have helped us continue our journey where we hope to find peace. Mike Brown's death didn't just show us that there was a gun problem in the police force, but in our communities, where little kids are forced to grow up faster than they should. Let these senseless acts of violence encourage you to be the change that you wanna see. Do it for the ones that cannot, the ones that want better, even the ones that don't know better because I would do it for all four of my friends who were shot and killed in 2018. And three of the four will never get to see 21. And here I am, 22, wishing they could see it. Wishing we didn't have to grow up so fast. Wishing we could have grew up outside of the system. But they still soar. They sing like crows. And they hawk through our streets. When night turns to day, I hope that every blind eye can see how high death sings, and why Mama screams. Thank you.
3: I want to touch on uh, the protest that happened during the building of the Arch. Uh, if yeah, we Percy had Green. Time. We actually
2: have an exhibit in our um, in the Arch section about Percy Green. Um, come on, where to go? You got me
3: all out of order here. Apologies.
2: You do have a lot of notes. So the arch construction is going on. The Park Service contracted with Pittsburgh Des Moines Steel. Gotcha. They were the main contractor for the whole job. They also produced the stainless steel and steel for the arch out of pennsylvania it came here in sections by rail Mm -hmm. okay they subcontracted the construction to mcdonald construction company which was i think a st louis based company okay then they subcontracted all the different jobs the, the electricians the plumbers the things like that the unions were very strong in the 60s i remember some of the car bombings at St. Louis when I first moved here in the 70s was over some of the mm-hmm. unions and stuff like that going on. So the unions had a lot of power on who got jobs. One of the main foremen on the construction was a Seneca Indian from New York. A lot of the high rise buildings were built by Indian labor mm. because they weren't afraid of the heights. Mm. you know. And there was other uh, buildings being built around you know, not only St. Louis, but other, you know, those were good paying jobs. Mm. And so for American Indians to get those jobs, they were doing that. He was Seneca from New York, and he was the foreman running the operations of the actual construction up there. The the workers that worked on this job also moonlighted on other buildings. Mm. When they weren't working here, they would go over and work on another building. And, And they could actually make good money doing that back then in the 60s the problem was you weren't seeing any African Americans working on the project because they weren't in the right unions Mm -hmm. because of segregation.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. You know, we're at the end of Jim Crow, but the Civil Rights Act just passed. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: You know, it takes a while to get the average public to accept those changes Mm -hmm. because of the way they grew up. I mean, I remember my grandparents, you know, the things they said to me growing up, you know, I'm thinking now God they were racist Well Yeah Today's standards They are Yeah, yeah. But Not back in the 60's mm-hmm. You know So Percy Green Was an activist And He and Richard Daly Did you ever hear Richard Daly? Was that a colleague? Yes. It was his colleague Okay So They wanted to Bring attention to the fact that there were no African Americans working on this project. This is a federal project. Mm -hmm. They passed the the Civil Rights Act, and by federal law, everybody's supposed to get an equal piece of the the pie, right? Mm -hmm. So what they do is they walk by during the lunch break, climb up the ladder, uh, they go up to the 125-foot level, level, and they sit there for six hours Mm -hmm. until they were finally brought down and arrested. They get arrested, all charges are dropped. And they let them go, okay? But it brought media attention, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, Th- they were part of a group called Action, right. Action Council to Improve Opportunities for Negroes, mm-hmm. and so this was basically a publicity stunt to bring attention to the issue.
3: Right. Mm-hmm.
2: What it did is it made the Park Service; it forced them to do something. Mm-hmm. When they were building the visitor center underneath the arch. They hired an African-American-owned plumbing company to do the plumbing. Mm. Okay. The white workers, the workers' unions, walked off the job in protest.
3: Mm. Mm.
2: Now, you don't remember the time of the 60s, but there were people who would not work with someone of another color.
3: Yeah.
2: You know, I mean, we're, we're, in the, we're, we're desegregating our schools and what's going on mm-hmm. in our country over that. Yeah. I mean, we got parents upset because kids are going to have to sit in a classroom with someone of a different color mm-hmm. and this is not just the south this is all over the country mm-hmm. because the federal government is forcing a change on people and they don't like it mm-hmm. and so there's resistance and so the the, the the companies the other contract companies and the white workers walk off the, and they say we're not going to go back until these guys are not here Park Service sues those companies. Mm. It goes to federal court. It actually goes to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court in their decision found that the unions, the labor unions had an obligation to correct or reverse practices which would perpetuate racial discrimination. Mm. And so the unions lost in the courts.
1: Mm.
2: And so the Park Service is part of that first legal federal stance against the racism and forcing these unions to change their ways. So that's another piece of history that happened down here.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So yeah, today we look at, we're the good guys, right? <laughs> you know, you know, I mean, I grew up in the 60s. Mm-hmm. I remember the day that Martin Luther King was shot. Mm-hmm. I still do. I remember the whole day, what happened that day. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember seeing uh, the riots on TV. Watts being burned. Mm -hmm. I remember there was a a neighborhood in Philadelphia where they bombed the house and caught the whole neighborhood on fire back in the 60s over
3: over that. Wow, goodness. Um, How do you think the uh, relationships uh, after the protest with the unions and and the uh, African-American workers, when the unions lost and, and and they found out okay uh you're obligated to work with them or you're not going to get money how do you think that work relationship was in completing the actual arch I well you
2: just answered your question follow the money
3: yeah. yeah okay definitely
2: if you want the federal dollars you've got to abide by this if you don't
3: mm-hmm.
2: we've already sued you once and yeah. won yeah you know so yes it's not going to happen overnight of course it it but what do we see in federal contracts now?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: We're seeing more diverse. We're seeing women-owned companies getting federal contracts. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, some of the things that were going on here too. And look at the old courthouse and see what contracts were let out for that too. You know, there's a process that, that we follow. We have specific guidance on how we do that. Mm-hmm. But we can only award a contract to someone who applies for it. Right. Right, right. You know, but we do also have programs to get the word out to groups. So, yeah, you know, you're seeing it more. Is it enough? Well, you know, it takes time. You know, it's probably after my generation is dead and gone because we witnessed that change. You know, we were a part of it. We may have been part of the resistance to it, but it's going to be... Our kids and our grandkids are going to be picking that up and carrying it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, when I was when I went to public high schools, when I first started seeing the divisions. Do, I mean, did you see the divisions when you were in high school?
3: No, no, not nearly as much.
2: And do you see the kids today in high school? Mm-hmm. Is there a division based on race? Mm-hmm. No, it's more like on social class. Right. Who's got the best clothes? Who's the athlete? You yeah. know, <laughs> stuff like that. I mean. Yeah. People naturally tend to congregate by like-minded people.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay? So it's the culture, it's the language, it's the music, it's the clothing and hairstyles that makes that they separate themselves mm-hmm. by. And so you're always attracted to people who you feel comfortable with people who look different from you, you don't feel comfortable with, people who speak a different language. Mm-hmm. If you don't understand what they're saying, are you comfortable with them? Right. You don't know what they're saying. They might right. be talking about you, right?
3: Right, mm-hmm. right.
2: You know, so, yeah. you know, and St. Louis has always been a melting pot. Mm-hmm. Under the Spanish, when, when the Fre- we were French, but we were under Spanish rule, they were trying to recruit people to come to St. Louis and the Spanish holding. And they decided to uh, allow Irish Catholics from the American side to come over because one, they were already Catholic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they didn't have to change their religion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they were good candidates. So they were recruiting the Irish to come mm-hmm. over because they were already Catholic,
3: you know? Yeah, they yeah. ought
2: to be okay, you know? Yeah. Um, and But we've always seen groups of migrants coming to St. Louis uh, because one, We have a large stock of housing that's very reasonably priced. And so, uh, in my lifetime, we saw a lot of uh, uh, Vietnamese coming here after the Vietnam War. Then we saw uh, a lot of Asians start to come in. Uh, We have our own Spanish-Hispanic. It's not just Mexican, there's a lot of different Spanish cultures around the Cherokee area. Mm -hmm. They're congregating around like people, like languages, like religion, like culture, because that's what they're comfortable with, right? After the Bosnian War, we had Bosnian Serbs, Bosnian Croats, and Bosnian Muslims. The organization that supports immigrants brought them and put them all in the Bevo neighborhood. Why? Because their headquarters was there and there was all this housing that was available for yes. them. And so we had our own little Bosnia down there, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, what we saw was the same problems they were having in Bosnia, they brought to our neighborhood mm. originally, mm. you know, but they were all mixed up <laughs> instead of in separate.
3: You know? right, right, and right.
2: so you, I remember, uh, um, not too far from where I lived on in South City on Morgan Ford, a Bosnian family opened up a restaurant and some Bosnian serves trashed it. Wow. Because they were Muslim. Mm. This was in the early days when, when they came in. And, you know, and so you go to Tagro Park on a summer day. What do you see? You see people in Arabic clothes. And, you know, uh, the, the head scarves and things. You see Asians. You see African-Americans, you see, you know, a lot of young families, Mm -hmm. you know, um, we have a Russian Orthodox community here. We have the Greek Orthodox community here, what St. Staus Staus Church, they have the big festival every year. We have a Polish neighborhood, you know, so St. Louis is a perfect example of a melting pot of people from all over the world, and they have been doing that since we first started Mm -hmm. coming here from all over the world and all the places I've been, I like to hear best.
3: Yeah. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> beautiful! Have you ever been in New York? Yes, I have been in New York. Okay, so when I went to New I went to New York recently, and I felt like uh, the city was very much alive. It was like a almost a tangible energy that you could feel. Mm-hmm. Now, is that is that what being in St. Louis is like? Like I, I I was born here, I was raised here, so I don't.
2: When I first started working downtown, I go out in my lunch hour, and it was like that. Okay. There were people on the streets. Mm-hmm. It was still pretty much like that until the COVID hit. Mm. I have not seen it come back yet.
3: Yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll probably take a while if it, if it does yeah. it at all.
2: One of the things, you know, with all this renewed uh, urban, renewal, I mean, we had neighborhoods down here. Mm-hmm. But from the 40s through the 80s, even 90s, we were losing those neighborhoods to these office buildings and hotels and stuff where other neighborhoods mm. you know they tried to bring some back with the loss out there by uh past tucker mm-hmm. those were old warehouses they tried to turn in the loss the infrastructure to support a neighborhood i mean what do you need to support a neighborhood
1: the grocery store grocery store um,
2: pharmacy gas yeah. station hospital you know hospitals yep. well the hospitals School. are here you know but you know the schools yeah the downtown, I mean, Schnooks try to open that one up right across from mm-hmm. the uh, post office, the old post office, but it's not, you know, it's a, it's and a Schnooks at. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah, it's a small, it's yeah. a real small it's you It's know? hard
1: to um, have schools down here too, it seems like, because well, of the buildings. There's a, a
2: school on South 7th Street. Uh, okay. Is that City
1: Confluence?
2: School? Yeah. Uh, uh, is that what that is? And then of course you got South Broadway and Soulard, you got but wow, that's where Central the neighborhoods are. Yeah. You know. So what happens is originally from nine to five the city is busy. After five, there's nothing, you know, because everybody goes home somewhere else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the interstates really perpetuate that. Mm-hmm. Because in in the times of the of the thirties and forties, you lived within walking distance of where you worked.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Because you didn't have a car. Right. Even in the 19th century, you lived within the walking distance of where you worked. And that's why you had neighborhoods around Anheuser-Busch Brewery, the, the factories and things like that. Because you didn't own a horse. Mm-hmm. First of all, you didn't have a place to keep one. Right, right. Okay. Only the wealthy, like uh, Henry C- uh, Campbell, he had a separate building to keep his horse and carriage in. Mm. With a little apartment above it mm-hmm. <laughs> for the guy who kept the, take mm-hmm. care of the horse for yeah. him, you know. <laughs> So the wealthy had the horses and the carriages, but you still had the streetcar lines, you know, that you could go anywhere. This one friend of mine told me when he was a kid growing up in North St. Louis, he said for a dime, he could go anywhere in the city he wanted to, mm. by the streetcars.
3: Wow. Can
2: you do that today? No. Not at all,
3: of course
1: you know, not. Today tr- is like, what is a streetcar?
2: You know, when I moved to the city, for a dime. when I moved to the city, what, uh, 40 years ago, I tried to take the bus it never went where I wanted to go. Mm. I would have to take two or three buses to get there. Mm. Or go to the MetroLink when they finally got that and then take the Metrolink. But I had to get there by bus. Mm-hmm. You know? And then you stand standing there waiting for the dang thing.
3: Yeah. And
2: are they on time? No. 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 You know? And if the weather's it's bad. Like they skip the stop. If the again. weather is bad. When I lived on Seulard, the weather was so bad I couldn't drive. Mm-hmm. I would walk down to Broadway and, and wait for the bus. Well, I would get cold. So I would mm-hmm. start walking towards work, mm-hmm. figuring the bus would come along any minute now and I'd get on it, right? Mm-hmm. I would get all the way to work and never see the bus. Wow. wow. You know, I, it went was bad. Yeah. So I would walk the two miles to work and then i walk it home, but it's only two miles and It's too hot, mm-hmm. right? No big deal. Well, I was a younger man then. <laughs> um, the automobile pushed people away from the heart of the city. Mm-hmm. They live out there. They shop out there. They go to restaurants out there they might come downtown to work and have lunch or they might come for a ball game because you know the stadiums even the new soccer stadium is up there by union station right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but look at uh the landing back in the late 70s that was the place mm. you know there were nightclubs there was music down there there was food you know we used to go there after work and have our our parties up there, you know, our going away parties when someone was leaving. Or, uh, at the beginning of the summer we would have a welcome party for the new summer rangers. And we would just w- change our clothes and walk up there and, and, and use those. Have you been up there lately? No. no. I can't even tell you what's still there. You know, as far part of it was the construction of the arch grounds. It really hurt them because people couldn't get there. Mm-hmm. and. Then the COVID hit right after that. And so I know they're struggling up there, but um, you look at the places where there's activities. Soulard. Soulard has a residential population, but they also have an entertainment population. You know, They have the nightclubs and the bars and the varieties of music and the varieties of foods. A lot of my favorite restaurants are in the Soulard neighborhood. I like to go there. You know, even when I left Solar and moved to another neighborhood, I would still go to places there for that. And you know, that neighborhood is still alive mm. because they have people living there. You know, we lost those people who were living, you know, in our small neighborhood. But those people there, I mean if you look at the houses, they weren't property owners. Mm-hmm. They were renting by the month a one or two room flat or a hotel room more or less. Mm-hmm. So this was cheap housing until you could find a better place. And that's how the city fathers saw that. And it wasn't the whole 40 square blocks. It was just that little part right down there. And then the arch only took part of it. You know, the Poplar Street Bridge took another part of it. And then the interstates nibbled away another part of it. Mm-hmm. You know? And then from the arch grounds up to Broadway, all that took out another part of it.
3: Mm-hmm. But it took several years to do that. Wow. Now, um, last year, crazy flooding happened happened in uh, certain parts of the city, mm-hmm. um, like Ferguson and, mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. And uh, as we were coming in, we parked uh, in the back, right on the riverfront. So uh, as we were coming in, uh, we saw the labels of like how high the water got at certain times. Mm-hmm. Uh, did it flood over here last year, or did the did it the water come
2: up? Well, it came up a little bit. Yeah. Um, the '93 flood is the highest one we've had.
3: Yeah. Right.
2: The '93 flood was a man-made flood. Really? Okay, we'll look at it. What's right across the river? A 50 foot high levee. Mm-hmm. What's on this side of the river? A 50 foot high levee. Mm-hmm. Originally, from St. Louis to the Cahokia Bluffs, three miles away, that was the river. Mm. Okay? It wasn't always that wide, but during flood, instead of going out, it spread. Mm. Okay? In 1844, that was a big flood too. They talk about steamboats rescuing people off the roofs of their barns over where East St. Louis is now. Okay, because that was all farmland. But that was the river bottom, the river bed. When they started building those levees, they contracted where the river could go. It couldn't spread out anymore, so it had to go up, okay? Even at 49 and a half feet above Mean Gage, the highest has been recorded in St. Louis. It only came halfway up the staircase in front of the arch. Mm. The tunnel underneath the staircase where the railroad right away goes through now, that flooded, but it never got in here. Now, one of the things that happened here was when they built the visitor center, remember how they stair-stepped the slope down? Mm -hmm. So they didn't have to dig out a whole lot, but they did have to dig out part of that western part where the museum ends. When they were digging out, they broke into a number of springs, Mm. okay? And so, What they did is they put sump pumps, you know what that is? Yeah, sump pumps. What it does is when the water rises up, they pumps it out somewhere else, okay? So we have about four or five sump pumps inside the arts facilities. And when the water gets a certain level, it'll automatically kick on. There's two pumps on each one. So about five minutes every hour, one of them will kick on for five minutes and they'll rotate. And what they do is they pump the water out to the reflection ponds because by EPA standards, we can't pump it just to the river.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So it sits in the reflection ponds and then when it gets high enough, then it drains to the river. Mm-hmm. So that's why those reflection ponds were, because they weren't part of the original plan of the arch.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That was that was put in because of those. And so um, during the flood, both pumps were running 24 hours a day on all those stations. We burnt eight pumps out
3: mm-hmm. wow.
2: during that. When they were doing the new construction. They were doing all kinds of electrical wiring and everything's all connected, right? Down in the load zone, before you, where you get into the tram to go up, you gotta go way down. At the, in front of door number eight, there's a little drain. There's one of those pump pumps down there. One of the electricians on Friday afternoon shut off the circuit breaker, was working on something and didn't turn it back on. We came in the next morning, the water was almost to the top step.
0: Oh, in that load zone,
2: it had filled up because that sump pump wasn't draining that water from that spring, and yeah. it filled up that staircase where the tram cars are mm-hmm. almost to the top step. Oh, no! So, so, <laughs> so, how did you get the wire up? Well, they, they brought in other pumps mm. and pumped it out <laughs> because the sump pumps weren't working because they right. were underwater now. Right, right. They had to replace those, you know.
3: Good, nice.
2: Yeah, but because someone, and he did it on a Friday afternoon and wasn't coming back till Monday. Right, mm. right. So Saturday we come in and we got to call our guys in to figure out what's going on. So right. that's nice. how fast that water can come in just mm-hmm. even when the river's not high because it's, you know, underground water is coming in through the springs. So we have to, you know, keep, on top of it to keep it out of the building but that was that was amazing it was pure clear water you could look through all the way down to the drain wow. <laughs> at the bottom of those steps in that low zone so that next time nice. you go to the top of the arch go down to car eight <laughs> see, yeah. you want to, i want car eight i want to see the
3: look for that drain. gotcha <laughs> gotcha got oh.
2: but so um so even with the with the record height it never got in here
3: well I like, like i have to assume you guys take really good care of the arch so at what point do you think, uh, or how, how long can the arch stand before things have to be like restored and whatnot?
2: So, was it uh, 2015, I think it was? If you look at the east side, the side facing the city, mm-hmm. if you look up there, it looks like rust coming out.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Up near streaks of rust on the mm-hmm. links of the arch. And people were asking about that. Well, you know, are you gonna get somebody, somebody up there to see what it is?
3: Right, oh. For- So,
2: they actually contracted with a group who had worked on the Washington mine and they repelled from the top, out of the hatch on the top, and went down and they inspected every weld Mm -hmm. on those legs, all the way down both legs. They took samples of what that was. They said all those welds were as pristine as the day they were made. 50 years old. Wow. Okay. They looked at the inside because, you know, there's the inner skin and the outer skin. So you got the outer skin of uh, stainless steel, but you've got to have the inner skin of carbon steel. And then up to the 300-foot level, it's filled concrete to give it stability. But then above that, you know, it's just air. Mm-hmm. But we had no way to look inside to see if water was getting in. And so they actually drilled some holes and put cameras in there. You know what they found? What? The paint on the inside is still as pristine as the day was put on. So when Sarin decided he wanted stainless steel, he said, stainless steel can last a thousand years. Mm -hmm. Have you ever seen that uh, uh, show called Defiance? Mm -hmm. It's about a town called Defiance. Mm -hmm. It's way in the future. It's after the aliens invaded and there was a big war. Mm -hmm. And this little village is actually, the the land had risen up. And so only about half of the arch is sticking out of it. And this village called Defiance grows up at the base of the arch, mm. and they're 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 trying to survive this post-apocalyptic uh, thing. But uh, there's a guy in there that climbs to the top, and he's running a radio station out of the top observation area. Mm-hmm. Now, if the ground is going up halfway up the arch, how is he getting inside there to get up to the top? Right, right. There are stairs, mm. but the stairs start at the bottom.
3: Right, 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 So
2: unless they cut a hole somewhere in the middle so okay. he could get in. But he's got his little radio station up there at the top of the arch that he's broadcasting out to the local people and stuff like that. Um, so conceivably, it could happen. Mm-hmm. It could survive, mm-hmm. you know, and still be there a thousand years from now. Wow!
3: So, did they figure out what the uh, streaks were? Mm-hmm. What was, was it, it? The paint?
2: Nope. Oh. Schmutz.
3: Schmutz. So, so it just had to be wiped off. It's just dirt. Oh. <laughs> it's like,
2: you know, from air pollution or whatever. Yeah.
3: Wow. Yeah.
1: Well, we just want to thank everybody for listening. Right. Most of most of to this conversation we had with Doug. Doug, thank you so much for. Uh, Giving us the tour and sharing this great information with us.
2: You're welcome to uh, take any of these, uh, take copies of any of these pictures. Okay. Gotcha. You you could probably check in the city library; they should have it. Okay. But this, this, this was basically all the buildings that were torn down in the 40 square
0: blocks. The Why of My City captures and documents pieces of black history through written word and art while training the next generation to become active, engaged citizens. Our goal is that programs become a force multiplier, rippling into families, schools, and neighborhoods, offering solutions to common urban problems. The Why of My City, a play written by Mario Farwell with St. Louis Story Stitches and directed by Gregory Carr, will be staged for the public June 15th and 16th, 2023, at the. Theater at Kranzberg Arts Foundation in the Grand Center Arts District. Tickets are on sale at Metro Ticks. St. Louis Story Stitches, the Why of My City, is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts. Visit on the web at arts.gov. And by the Missouri Arts Council, a state agency which receives support from the state of Missouri. The Why of My City is supported in part by Missouri Humanities Council, a state agency which receives support from the state of Missouri. Story Stitches is supported in part by the Lewis Prize for Music's 2021 Accelerator Award. The mission of the Lewis Prize is to partner with leaders who create positive change by investing in young people through music. Additional support for Stitchcast Studio and Story Stitches programs is provided by the Spirit of St. Louis Women's Fund, City of St. Louis Youth at Risk Crime Prevention Grant of 2023, Trio Foundation, Deaconess Foundation, and the Arts and Education Council. St. Louis Story Stitches in the center is supported in part by Kranzberg Arts Foundation as a resident organization. Thank you for listening. They say who that, but you already knew that. That beat them Story Stitches. Story Stitches. Story Stitches. Story Stitches. Story Stitches. Story Stitches.